Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR and Education. In today's episode, we get to talk to Zach Grossman. Zach is CEO and founder of Learn VR. Zach has his Master's of Education, where he focused mostly on ed tech and from Portland State University. Uh, before becoming an educator, Zach spent some time with his creative mind as a marketing guru. So we're thrilled to have Zach on the show today. Welcome, Zach. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You know, one of my standard questions at the beginning, which I find incredibly interesting, is just how people got interested or involved in VR in the first place. Tell us your origin story. Sure. Yeah. Around uh, 2015, 2016, um, well, I, I had been following VR for a while um, with the Oculus Kickstarter and um, and everything that was coming. And then the, the Oculus finally came out and the HTC Vive, but I did not have a gaming uh, PC, um, but I did have a Samsung Galaxy uh, S6. So they, they had the Gear VR back then. Um, basically, you plug your phone into a VR headset and you were able to access uh, virtual reality in a, in a pretty limited manner. So I was, I was, I got that pretty quickly as soon as that came out, um, and I immediately was, was seeing the, <laughs> the issues with not having, you know, any any ability to interact with your hands, no six degrees of freedom. Um, while I did enjoy it, you know, I, I really was seeing the, <laughs> the the promise of uh, of better systems as well. So I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and things. Um, like that to to see what I was missing out on, um, and I was also looking for a place to to try some of that, uh, like an Oculus out or an HTC, but there wasn't really any VR arcades at the time. Um, so that kind of started my my interest in that, and I was I was thinking um, I had as you mentioned I had just graduated with my master's um, in curriculum and instruction, so I was thinking about how this can be applied educationally, and uh, just thinking of ways to make it better. So I, I just Kept looking at that, um, and I I started thinking about LearnVR.org actually back then in like 2016. Wow! So because you mentioned that, this is a good segue. Tell us more about uh, your company, LearnVR, and what its mandate is. Uh, some of the things that uh, you've established uh, for mission and vision, etc. Sure. Yeah, LearnVR is actually it's a nonprofit, so. As opposed to being the CEO, um, I'm the president and the founder of, of, uh, of LearnVR Incorporated right now. Um, we actually just launched very recently, uh, have a great board in order. Um, we had our first board meeting uh, at the beginning of this month, so literally just launched. And uh, basically, our, our goal is to provide impactful virtual reality experiences and learning opportunities to underserved communities. Um, so our focus is, of course, is on schools, but also interested in visiting hospitals, assisted living centers, um, and basically just just showing the technology and introducing as many people as possible to um, what's possible in virtual reality. 
I looked on uh, the website and it's an impressive uh, set of credentials for your board members, which really speaks volumes to uh, what you're trying to accomplish to have so many uh, well accoladed board members on there. So, you know, kudos to you for getting that many uh, amazing people on board to help support your company. Thank you. Yes. And they are all, they're all well-versed in virtual reality. They're all work in schools or nonprofits. Um, I met a lot of them over the last two years um, as I was uh, teaching about virtual reality. So I went into some of their classrooms, ran some lessons and was able to keep in touch with them. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about, about our board and also our advisory board, which, which is growing too. Um, so um, our board members are located in Philadelphia where we are. Um, but advisory boards are kind of uh, all over the, the world. Anyone that's interested in virtual reality education, we're interested in, in talking to. And if they're interested in helping um, us, you know, can reach out to, uh, to us on our, on our website. I love your mandate, which is, you know, VR should be accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Right now, the current situation is VR is mostly accessible to wealthier schools who have, you know, bigger budgets and can, you know, charge students money and then pass that on to having the right hardware and then software. What got you interested in ensuring that the disadvantaged students also have access to this amazing tool? Well, it's it's really just because it is a tool that you need to try in order to really understand. Um, I I see a lot of hurdles for um, people that don't have the money. They're never going to really get to experience it unless unless an organization goes out of their way to make sure that. Um, and of course, um, education is is like a human right, and we want to just be on top of it. And and in the next five to ten years. Virtual reality and spatial computing is going to continue to grow. And uh, if, if you don't have early access, you might be a little bit left behind. So I think it's just a great opportunity to um, to take initiative and try and start now making sure that um, it's not only for the wealthy students or the wealthy people. Do you have any stories or vignettes about uh, exposing some of or some case scenarios of exposing students, especially ones that maybe come from a disadvantaged home or situation and how they responded to a VR experience? Yeah, so um, I've been to several library events in Philadelphia and um, brought virtual reality. Um, well, to clarify, because I know this is a, a question that you might ask as well, we, we were traveling with um, Google Expeditions Kit for a while. Uh, which is a phone-based VR system, again, that doesn't have the six degrees of freedom. Um, but we did travel to some libraries with that and um, very easy to set up. So a lot of younger kids would come by, definitely never used VR before, and we were able to put them in outer space, for instance, or you know, visiting with dinosaurs. And they were just super engaged. Their parents were very happy uh, to see them so engaged in, in that. And, um, and me as the teacher, I'm able to talk about you know, outer space as they're in there, point them around and they, they leave with a smile on their face and they leave, I think with the, um, you know, with the hope of continuing to explore virtual reality. Um, 
a lot of a lot of the that being said, a lot of the VR uh, lessons that I've done are with students that um, maybe do come from a privileged background as well. So so it's kind of a mixed bag. A lot of a lot of kids um, in the Philadelphia suburbs that I've worked with um, maybe have a VR headset at home or have traveled to a VR arcade before. Um, so in that case, we're we're kind of pointing them towards some some of the concepts and some of the uh, learning opportunities in VR as opposed to the games. Is, is there a difference in response or it's too hard to generalize? Um, well, I think there's, there's definitely a difference in response for someone that's never used VR before and someone that has. Um, I wouldn't say there's a difference in, you know, the amount of money they have, of course, but someone that's never used VR and they they hop in there for sure, they're going to be um, their faces light up, they're smiling in there. Um, someone that has used it before, maybe you know, maybe already knows how to navigate around, not going to be quite as impressed, but still, but still, in both cases, they're they're interested and they're engaged with it. You mentioned in a blog post a bit about web VR, which for many who are new to the VR industry, especially educators, they're not necessarily astute to this. Can you talk a bit about what web VR is and how do you see it as having huge potential? Sure. Yeah. Web VR and now web XR, I think is the new standard, but um, it's basically a way to access, uh, access virtual reality experiences through a web browser directly. So instead of typing google.com, you might go to, you know, a, a games website uh, or an experiences website and it loads immediately. You're in VR, you have your hands in there and you can interact with content um, right through a web browser, but you don't necessarily know that you're in a web browser anymore because it looks very much like something that you may have installed. Um, I think there's huge potential for that because, um, you know, number one, no downloads, just very accessible. I think in the next, you know, the coming years, as more companies and more businesses and more individuals put out content, um, there's going to be thousands and hundreds of thousands of different experiences on there. And it, it could lead to, uh, you know, the metaverse or it could, it could lead to a whole new way of learning or connecting with people. Um, there are some courses that I'm looking into to, to learn myself, maybe how to, how to build some of these web XR um, environments, because I think that would be just fun to learn and great to teach people. Um, currently, I don't I don't know how to build those, but I am looking into it. Um, and yeah, it's when you when you put on the quest and you just launch a browser and you're able to see dozens of different very interesting experiences and hop around. They're all free right now, basically. Um, it's it's very exciting, I think. Some educators that I've talked to often feel like there isn't enough, and I'm, I'm using air quotes here, educational content available yet for the higher end VR. Whereas I might argue against that. I might say that there are games out there with uh, the right, right understanding provide amazing conceptual understanding. So, you know, understanding systems thinking or understanding perspective or power struggles. And I know having followed you on social media that you've, you know, these edu games, they're often called edu games where, you know, teachers say, well, that, that's not really, you know, an educational experience yet. 
you know, when you when you unpack it a bit, it can be. What's your feeling about the edu games, and and do you do you see the same thing that I do with educators that they often uh, dismiss some of the game like like experiences as not being educational? Yeah, yeah, I would agree that some of the um, some of the apps they might not think are educational really are, um, especially. In my case, uh, one of the one of the key courses that I taught is the Intro to VR and Spatial Computing, um, which is a, a class overview that I put together where we just go over some of the key terms, history, and then um, you know future implications, privacy concerns, um, and, and talk about the technology behind VR, and then have them experience um, a game, you know, potentially like um, Baby Hands is, is a game that I know that you're you've you've used before. Um, and that, that may not seem educational, but I think it's, it's very foundational to learn about, you know, how, how to interact with digital environments and how to manipulate, you know, how to control your body in VR. Um, so that's an example of a game that may not sound educational and it's always funny to explain it to a teacher or a parent. Um, but I've had great success using that, um, for sure. And then, um, you know, I think there's no argument, no denying that um, some of the art games like uh, Tilt Brush or Sculptor VR are educational um, because of the ability to, again, learn how to control scale, your perception, how to manipulate objects and how to start creating 3D, um, you know, art and assets. Um, so, so. There's there's always something to take away from all of these experiences, but I would agree that there aren't uh, a whole lot of very high quality, fully educational games out there. A lot of the educational content that I've experienced is not gamified very well, so therefore you put someone in there and they may not they might lose interest pretty quickly. Um, whereas you put someone in a game and they they could be in there for quite a while. Well said, and and I agree with you. I think. Uh... It's like any new medium or communication. As it evolves, things sort of people start to wrap their head around, you know, the true purpose. And I think VR's true purpose is to unpack, you know, deeper thinking, deeper learning, you know, to get kids. If you look at, uh, you know, the hierarchy of learning, you know, to go beyond just, uh, understanding the pure uh, knowledge or content and to get them to create, to get them uh, to criticize or use critical thinking, which if you just have a VR application that exposes you in a three-dimensional fashion to the parts to the heart or, you know, museum-like experiences, they sort of lack that uh, depth of thought that 21st century learning is trying to aspire to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of that, good teachers will often map out an experience through lesson plans. And so these are usually considering what students might think about and do before, during, and then after an experience. Does lesson planning differ for VR than it would a regular classroom session? I think, yeah, it definitely differs. It's a new medium. It's a new tool. Um, to, to clarify, and I think one of the, the highlights of my, my job is that um, 
I'm not necessarily a classroom teacher. Um, I'm kind of a facilitator. I go in, I teach a class, and then I, and then I leave. So I'm not necessarily um, responsible for the entire curriculum um, in most cases, but I do certainly support teachers with curriculum ideas. Um, I like to make project-based curriculums where, yes, you, you may um, have them conceptualize things outside of VR, then use VR, and then revisit them again outside of VR. Um, uh, one thing to always consider as well is because the technology is expensive, um, it's, not, it's not like we can have a VR headset necessarily for every single student. Um, at Learn VR, we are shooting for a three to one ratio, three, three students to one headset. Um, so we can go into a classroom of 30 students with, uh, with 10 headsets. And then, yes, our curriculum would have to be designed so that we, we understand two students in any group won't be in the headset. So how are they interacting? Are they looking at the screen? Are they, you know, directing the student that's in VR? Are they just writing, you know, doing work out of a work uh, on paper? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to think about how to make it work right. Um, so far in my experience with my intro to VR and spatial computing class, um, just to, to run down how that works, I usually go in, I do a, a lecture slash discussion for about 30 minutes, and then I have them break into their groups and um, experience uh, VR on their own. So again, I, I've been using baby hands in the past, um, which is great because it doesn't require a, a lot of explanation or any really. I like to uh, give most people the benefit of the doubt that they're very they're smart and they're intuitive and they're going to figure it out but I'm there to help them along if, if anyone has any questions and and yeah so just kind of like let them experience it and then um, you know talk it out um, while I, I may know a bit more than the average person about VR I don't I don't think I'm any smarter than any of the students I think they're very uh, they're very smart and they pick up on things quickly. So I like to open it up and have it more of a discussion, how things are going to happen and what they think is going to be, what the future is like um, and things like that. When you go into schools, like you mentioned, is it, do some schools struggle to find enough floor space to facilitate uh, multiple headsets with groups of, you mentioned maybe a one to three, but it could be, could even be like a one to four is that a challenge? Um, it's a bit of a challenge. Like we, we rearrange the room um, a bit when necessary. And uh, since we're going in with the quests right now, we, you know, no computers necessary. And a lot of times I set it up so that it's a sitting or standing experience, even though, you know, it's not quite as, as cool or as interesting as the room scale. Um, they're still able to, you know, basically get the whole the idea. So um, I think it still works. You know, they can they can be seated. I, I let them know you can stand up, but please try not to walk around. Um, and different schools have different um, accommodations. So I've done it in a in a large library before where we had plenty of space, and I've done it in a pretty small classroom. You know, you just have to make do. Be, be flexible. Some of the some of the teachers' frustrations with the quest has to do with. Uh, onboarding and then controlling content. How do you deal? How do you deal with that on the quests? Yeah, that is that is definitely a concern. Um, there's some solutions uh, that it, that are coming out, like uh, Groove Classroom is a, is a really interesting one. Um, but I I in the past, the quests that we've been using, they they just had uh, basically 
only the experience that we wanted them to, to, to play on there. So like baby hands is the only game. Um, and the onboarding, I just let them, like I said, put the headset on. I kind of walked them through beforehand. You're going to see, you know, pass through camera. It's going to ask you to set up your play space. And I let them do that on their own. Um, give them time to do it and raise your hand if you have any questions. And then uh, I tell them to launch the game. And most of the time, like I said, they're they're very smart. They can get right into it. But if, if anyone has any questions, I'm right there for them. Um, big issue is not being able to see their screen. <laughs> when you have 10 quests, you don't necessarily have 10 tablets that are all connected to the right account and the Wi-Fi might not be correct. So it's, it's going to schools with the quest and not seeing their screens is, is a is a big hurdle. Um, but again, we just limit we limit what they can access by not having content on there that, that we don't want them to access. Um, so that, that works out for us currently. Um, but like I said, um, we that was in the past and now going forward, I think we will be using some tools like like Groove VR or potentially uh, or, or new solutions that are coming out. Yeah, I'm sure they're coming out. I, I've heard of but never tried uh, Grove or Groove VR yet, but uh, I, I'm definitely interested in seeing how that might manage multiple headsets with the Quest. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, um, they actually have uh, they have a free free version now uh, on the side quest, so up to three devices. Um, and just briefly, the way it works is you, you basically on your laptop or even on a tablet, you can control all the devices that are attached to it. You can launch them into whatever experiences you want on there. You can lock it down to just that experience, and then you can also see the screens of all of them on the one interface. So it, it's actually a great solution. Um, shout out to to Groove. Uh, education in classroom, I think it's called. Cool. Yeah. Um, you already alluded to some of this. What are some questions that teachers ask you when you either teach that course or maybe working in schools? What are some big questions that some of the teachers usually have? Yeah, I did this uh, course uh, a few months ago uh, as a Saturday course, and I, I brought in the quest. I did the intro to VR course, and, and the teachers were there too. And these were smaller groups, so the teacher could have a headset too. And so um, they were really interested in it. They had never used VR before. Uh, this one teacher I'm thinking of in particular, and she was she, she just wanted to know where she could get one, how much it cost, and that's a question I, I got a lot from from when I'm using the quest. So I sometimes feel like a, a sales rep for them, but I. Um, I think it's really interesting to see that. And then it's funny because right right around December, the Quest kind of sold out. No one can get one. And I was doing these lessons, you know, for, for five months before that, telling people, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty affordable at $400. Um, the, the things that you can do on there um, without needing a, a PC uh, are pretty incredible. And I, I still am I'm, I'm impressed with the Quest. And I know that there's a new version coming out as well. And there's other there's other standalone headsets like the Pico Neo um, Eye Tracker, which I which I tried at CES, which I think is really amazing too. And I think a lot a lot of companies are, are going to try and catch up with that um, this year and next. So, do you get much response from teachers who said, "Well, you know what? I tried the Google Cardboard. You know, I couldn't interact with my surroundings." You know, it was only uh, three DOF, so three degrees of freedom. You know, the image quality wasn't that great. So, you know, I really uh, dispelled VR 
Do you, did you do you get that kind of response from some teachers? I've I've definitely heard that um, that sentiment, and I, I've I've uh, given some presentations to teachers before, and some of them have gotten grants like early on to to get that system, um, like Google Expedition system, which is like ten thousand dollars, let's say, for thirty phones and thirty headsets. And I think that if you're gonna if you're a classroom teacher and you're using that every day, you're gonna you're gonna quickly find that it does get old. Um, but I think if you're just if you're like a school district that has it and it's traveling to different classrooms every day and teachers are using it sparingly, I think that it can be a great tool. Um, but but yes, as you said, it it, it can be two dimensional. I mean, it is relatively two dimensional. You can't interact as much. But I think there's some flexibility there with creating your own class, you know, your own curriculum on there. And, and um, you can show some interesting sites. Um, I've done a lot of lessons with Google Expeditions, actually, and I, I've always had a great time teaching from it. Um, but it has always been new classrooms. So, so yes, it, it, it is something that um, I think the technology has, has surpassed at this point. Uh, let's shift back to the higher-end headsets like the Quest and uh, the HTC Vive and the Oculus Rift. And let's talk about, besides baby hands, which, as you said, is one of my favorite to use as well, what are some other go-to applications that you immediately expose new people to VR? Sure. Yeah, uh, Sculptor VR is a great application. Uh, I like it a lot for the Quest. Uh, It's multiplayer, so you can have up to four people creating a sculptor at one, a sculpture at once so it's kind of like um like a tilt brush but m- a little bit more basic um it's very accessible it's easy to just jump in and create and and the multiplayer aspect of it is is really fun oh, um, i did not i did not yeah. know it was mul- multiplayer thanks for mentioning that i'll have to dive back into oh, that you definitely I, I highly recommend it i, I just got um, a friend of mine that lives across the country just got a quest so we've been catching up in Sculptor VR, just you know, crafting simple, simple things uh, and, and talking. And then you can load other people's artwork in and remix it. Um, you can also 3D print from Sculptor VR. You can export and uh, 3D print. And the ability to scale in and out on that, you can scale down to a very minute, you know, scale and then all the way back out. Um, that's a fun one. And kind of um, related to scaling, there's a there's a new app called Orders of Magnitude. Um, which I highly recommend as well. And that is a space-themed um, exploration experience, basically. So you can scale all the way out to the edge of the known universe and then gradually just start scaling in and learning about all these different um, all these different things in space, galaxies. And then you keep scaling in until you're at our solar system. You can see all the planets, learn about them, but then you scale into an astronaut that's floating on the space station, and then you go inside their brain and start seeing their synapses and their DNA. So you go all the way from the very small inside of brain all the way to the edge of the universe and back again. That's a cool one. Um, highly recommend. And then, um, of course, there's Beat Saber, which is which is um, one of the best-known VR games. And I think that that's a one that you can just hop in and start playing. People are really interested in that, and, and I like it because it gets you moving get some exercise going as well. Uh, so as things ramp up, I say that um, with a positive uh, sense of mind, 
with COVID-19 and, and more and more people sort of starting to realize the potential of VR because they're kind of locked at home, what, what's the future hold for Learn VR? So for, for Learn VR, um, the future is we, we were planning on launching in the fall anyway. So again, we, we just had our first board meeting. We're planning to launch in the fall um, and we're going to be in the Philadelphia School District, um, plan to host at least two uh, classroom visits per week and an after school program per week um, as our first pilot year. And then we do plan hopefully to expand throughout the Philadelphia School District and then potentially, you know, throughout the region and we'll see where we can go from there. Um, but yeah, just getting access to as many people as we can, showcasing different um, experiences, uh, partnering with developers that are making original content and, uh, and of course, partnering with teachers and students as well. How amazing. I'm, I'm really excited for you. And, and I, I, I guess as a VR evangelist myself, I am excited to see the VR industry, especially get into education more prominently. I think it's been a slow sort of grind getting schools and teachers excited about and understanding the real potential of VR. So it's great to see companies like yours uh, holding up the flag for the VR industry. Is there anything else that maybe we haven't said to the audience that you'd like to say? Uh, well, just following up on what you said. So basically, yeah, VR education is, uh, is growing, but it is, there's, there's some hurdles there. Uh, certainly the initial cost and the lack of expertise that, that schools or districts may have. So I think, um, our mission, you know, going in with the headsets and also the professional facilitator there. So we're going to go in with teachers that are knowledgeable um, on the subject, able to handle all the technical aspects and run lessons. It's going to make it a lot easier for schools to make that um, investment. It's going to be a much smaller investment um, to to hire um, us as a nonprofit, or it could be free for them, of course, uh, through grants. Uh, as opposed to them just spending, uh, you know, ten thousand plus on on technology that may become obsolete quickly, they may not use. Um, we're there to make sure that it's used and that um, it's highly curated and that students are getting the most out of it. So, yeah, really exciting times for sure. I remember as a design teacher when I first started looking into using uh, robotics in my school the same model sort of applied. And that was there were so many teachers out there in North America that didn't know anything about robots. And so during that Genesis period, we had a lot of uh, external uh, experts come in like you into the school to hold, well, hold my hand anyway, and, and teach me and show me how robots should be used uh, in a classroom. So I, I see that with VR right now. And that is that having someone like you in the, in the classroom where the teacher can focus on the curriculum, you know, and maybe help manage the students, but someone mm -hmm. uh, like yourself can take the stress off the technology tool. Exactly. Yeah. And ideally in the future, um, you know, there could be a, a certification program, someone that's like a professional VR facilitator that can, you know, knowledgeably go to locations, run lessons, not just at schools, but um, another focus of ours in the future is hospitals and assisted living homes. So people that are just able to interact with 
individuals that may have no experience with technology and being able to, like you said, hold their hand, make sure they're comfortable, make sure they know what they're doing and, um, and, and get them to have the best experience possible. Zach, if people have more questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, definitely learnvr.org is the website, and there's a contact form right on the webpage. So please, if anyone is listening and is interested, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. If you hold on uh, after this conversation, uh, we can just have a quick debrief, but I really appreciate you being on the show and uh, I relish our conversation. I think uh, there'll be lots of listeners out there who will be excited about using VR. So thanks again, Zach. Yeah, thank you, Craig. I, I appreciate you having me on.